Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power Sweep Podcast presented by North Coast Sports. Antonio Castro joined once again by my esteemed colleague Chris Van Dyne. Got a nice slate of games to go over with you this weekend. Uh, and also want to let you know about some of the uh, awesome specials we have going on at North Coast Sports this weekend. You know, Chris, it's been uh, 11 weeks already this football season when you factor in uh, the start of the NFL preseason back in the first week of August. We've gone 11 weeks of football. We've released one five-star in those 11 weeks, and we're, uh, we are releasing our second five-star in those 11 weeks this weekend. Looked at the slate. Picked out some games, have a good idea what's going on this weekend, and really want to take advantage of this weekend and, and let you guys in on and what we got going on. That uh, You can get that full executive weekend package this weekend. That includes that five-star play for just $149. That's as low as $149, I should say, if you're a 2020 Power Suite subscriber. And I just want to remind you that top uh, that, that, that uh, full executive weekend will get you all of our star-rated plays, all of our star-rated sides on Saturday, our star-rated totals, our star-rated selections in the NFL, all the way Thursday through Monday, you get everything that we release for just $149 if you are a 2020 Power Sweep subscriber. The other thing I wanted to let you know about is uh, our top play trio. Our top play trio is our top uh, side, our top total on Saturday, and our top NFL play on Sunday. And I just want to remind everybody that – Top college total play over the last three years is hitting at a 79% clip. It's 26 and 7. That top NFL play is at a 71% clip the last two years. It's 15, 6, and 1. And we just had our NFL Game of the Month winner two weeks ago. So I want to remind everybody on that. Jump on board. Try to get take advantage of these specials that we have going on uh, this weekend. You know, if you're just interested in our Saturday and Sunday star-rated selections, uh, our Saturday sides, our, which includes that five-star, our Sunday star-rated plays, you can get that for as low as $69 as a 2020 Power Soup subscriber. You can add the totals for just $39. I would add the totals onto any package just just to let you know, our, our college totals are on fire this year. They're hitting at a 65% clip this year, 15-8 and eight overall on the season. So that college totals, that's kind of our been our bread and butter the last few seasons here at North Coast, and it's continued on this year as well. All right, well, as part of this special five-star weekend, we thought we selected a nice slate of games for you. We're going to start off on the East Coast and talk about the big matchup in the ACC between Florida State and Clemson. Then we're going to head up north to uh, possible snow uh, this Saturday. Nebraska at Minnesota. They're expecting some flurries up there. Then we'll go down south. Florida at LSU in a premier SEC matchup with ESPN game day on hand. Probably the best matchup of the weekend. However, coming in a close second, or depending on what kind of fan you are, you're going to tend to the Red River rivalry as your best game of the weekend. We're going to take a look at that matchup as well in the Cotton Bowl between Oklahoma and Texas. We're going to head out west. You look at the Utah at Oregon State game. It is homecoming in Corvallis out there. And then finally, we're going to take a look at one of our special two-star selections right out of the Power Sweep newsletter. These two-star selections have been a winning clip overall uh, for you guys. We're going to break down the Northern Illinois and Ohio game, let you know why we chose what we chose in that game, why we made it a star-rated uh, selection in our newsletter, and give you the breakdown on that game. Chris, 
Time to get started, like we always do. Seems like we always start with one of your conferences here. Florida State at Clemson. Florida State, a disappointing three and two this year, and three and two against the spread. Clemson, five and zero, defending national champions. Five and zero straight up, I should say. Three and two also against the spread. A couple of a uh, couple of uh, of games that they they might have looked bored in, and they didn't uh, were not able to cover against the spread. You know, interestingly enough, Chris, when I looked at this, uh, the line opened up for this game. Clemson, a 26-point favorite. If you look at the current lines right now, people are betting on on uh, on Clemson still. It's up to 27 points now that they're laying. So you're getting nearly four touchdowns of action in this game. You know, in the power sweep, we had this right at the line. Both of us were kind of leaning on either side. Not a strong lean either way. Uh, but, you know, I kind of leaned with Florida State. I know you were leaning with Clemson, but I'm going to give you and give my audience the reasons why I was leaning with Florida State in this game. Again, this, is a, this isn't a game where I'd take my own money and bet on it. I kind of would rather just watch this game, see how it plays out. But if I did have a little bit of change, just a little, little tiny bit, I guess I would, I would put it on Florida State, and here's why. Um, you know, my main concern, I should say, before I get into my strengths on Florida State is the fact that they've allowed 19 sacks already this season, and Clemson has 18 sacks on the year. So when I look at Florida State's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line, i got to go with a huge matchup edge with Clemson. And you know games are won in the trenches, Chris, so you know Clemson looks like the easy winner here. Why am I going with Florida State? Well, I'll tell you. Eight of those sacks that the Seminoles allowed were last week when they had uh, Alex Hornibrook under center. I think James Blackman due to come back this week. He's more mobile. I think he gets them out of that pre- those pressure situations a little bit more than Alex Honeybrook. So I think that he's going to help that offensive line with their struggles this week against that Clemson defensive line. Also, looking at Florida State, you know, they had their worst ever home loss in last year's 59-10 to setback versus Clemson. I think head coach Willie Taggart's going to have this guy's prepared. He wants to avenge that uh, embarrassing setback in the worst way. I think Willie Taggart's a heck of a coach. I know I'm a little bit in the minority, of, uh, especially when talking and listening to Florida State fans, but... Let's. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've been following Willie Taggart's career all the way since he's been a, a head coach at Western Kentucky. This guy can coach, and I think he'll have the guys uh, motivated for this game. Also, Seminoles. They played their, their two best games of the season in their last two games. I think they're starting to look like what they were expected of them entering the season. So the fact that they look they've looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. I think they're trending in the right direction. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. He's already thrown more interceptions this year. Uh, than he had all of last year. I know he doesn't have zero interceptions the last two games. That was against Charlotte and North Carolina, though. I don't like their defensive secondary as much as Florida State's secondary. I think Florida State's secondary is much better than both of those uh, teams there, Charlotte and North Carolina, and it's backed up by our pass efficiency defensive rankings as well. So those are the reasons why I like Clemson or I like Florida State over Clemson plus the points. But it's a very, 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 very small lean on this. Uh, Chris, I think you were leaning with Clemson just by the slimmest of margins as well. Again, this is a tough game to pick. But those were those were my reasons for backing the Seminoles. Yeah, we had a pretty good discussion about this game uh, last weekend uh, coming in. I, and I, I agree, getting Blackman back is a good addition for Florida State. 
He's completing 69%, 9-2 ratio. And he's a guy that motivates the team. Uh, from what we know, Willie Taggart said the players will run through the, through a wall for him. So getting him back will, will help. Even though Hornibrook played pretty well the last couple of weeks. You know, he did have a 5-0 ratio, and they, they uh, won their last game against NC State with him by 18 points. Um, Taggart does have the, the Knowles improving. Their last four, their defense is allowed 403 yards per game. They're plus 27 yards per game in their last four games. Um, it's been kind of a, a mixed bag with Florida State. They play really well in the first half, going back to that Boise State game in the opener. Then the second half, they seem to tail off. I don't know if it's a conditioning issue or they, they just, uh, for, for whatever reason, don't make the necessary adjustments. But uh, they are improving, and I do agree that Willie Taggart's a heck of a coach, and I think that from what I'm seeing at Florida State, you're going to start seeing them keep playing better and better. And by the end of the year, I think they can beat a couple of these better ACC teams. And they're going to be a bowl team this year. I think they're capable of winning maybe eight or nine games. Um, on the flip side, I, I don't think they're good enough to stick with Clemson if the Tigers give their best effort. And if there's ever a game that, that, that Clemson's going to give their best effort, it's here. Considering they just lost their number one ranking and coming off that bye week after that close game against North Carolina, you know, they had been kind of complacent the first few games. They were playing well, but, you know, the, the Charlotte game, they barely played their starters. They played 111 kids in that game. They, they kind of slept, walked into that North Carolina game, didn't take it as seriously as they should have. It was a road game. Mac Brown's got North Carolina playing a lot better, and they almost got upset. Time to wake up, Clemson. Dabo pulled out the the Roy bus, the rest of y'all bus this week, where he says that it's Bama and the rest of y'all, and Clemson's back on that bus. That was his motivation last year. Well, he pulled that out again this week to get uh to get his guys fired up. And you know, last year they had a close game, came back and beat Wake Forest sixty three to three. Uh, if you recall that close game they had against Syracuse. They're still plus 231 yards per game. They dominated their first four uh, opponents, including a good Texas A&M team who only backdoored them in the last couple seconds. Um, Clemson has too many weapons. Trevor Lawrence didn't forget how to play quarterback. He has a lot of weapons on offense. Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers, T. Higgins. These guys are explosive offensive weapons. And I think that nothing brings the best out of a team like a rival. And Clemson, off that bye week, hungry to prove to everybody that they still are the big dog. They still are the best team in the country. They're going to bring their best effort. I don't think it's going to be like that Wake Forest game where they beat them 63-3 last year. Nothing like that. And Florida State might stick with them for a half. But I think by the fourth quarter, Clemson's going to assert themselves end up winning by about four touchdowns, maybe slightly more. I figured between 28 and 30 points was my original line. So when it fell at 26 and a half, 27, that made sense to me. Slight lean on Clemson, just like you. I'm not real enthused by either side, though, and I I, I wouldn't bet on this game myself, but I, I got a slight lean on Clemson here. Yeah, but we're going to heck and sure uh, make sure we watch this bad boy because this Absolutely. should be a dynamite game. All right, let's move along now. Let's go to some games that we have a uh, more of a stronger opinion on. Let's go up north 
expecting snow flurries up in Minneapolis, Nebraska at Minnesota. Man, who would have thought Minnesota undefeated on the on the season? Five and zero straight up, but just two two and one against the spread. Nebraska's four and two straight up, one and five against the spread. They had such a dominant spread run late last season, uh, just has not carried over into this year. Uh, the line opened up for this game. Uh, there was no opening line, I should say, back on uh, on Sunday night because of the questions concerning Adrian Martinez, uh, Nebraska's quarterback. Uh, right now, the current line is Minnesota minus seven and a half. I think it's a little bit much in this game. Um, but uh, before I get started, Chris, is there a better rival- named rivalry trophy than the five dollar bits of broken chair trophy? I mean, I'd be hard pressed no, to find out. No, I don't out. think so. I, I, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I love the name of that trophy. So uh, this trophy game here, uh, seven and a half point favorite for Minnesota. They're undefeated. Nebraska has not looked as as good as what was expected of them coming into the season. They had a lot of expectations uh, brought on to them, especially the way they finished last year. It has not played out so far this year. Making matters worse for Nebraska is the fact that Adrian Martinez, their star quarterback, and their wide receiver, uh, Spielman, both questionable for this game. But let me just tell you something. Uh, Nebraska's got a solid backup quarterback. Noah Verdrell, he he, he uh, followed uh, head coach Frost over from UCF. He was there at UCF. He played at UCF. He knows Frost's system inside and out. And Scott Frost has said he's got the best understanding of the of the offense on anybody in the entire team, which he should because he was with him at UCF. So even if Martinez does not play here, he is practicing, by the way. Uh, however, I want to let you be uh, aware he practiced last year when he was injured in that Colorado game, and then he did not play uh, for the in that Troy game the following week. So even though he's practicing, there is a possibility that he will be out. However, if he does miss, I have full confidence in uh, in Vidral, the, the backup quarterback there. And, uh, you know, not only does he know the system, but let's be honest, Martinez wasn't performing that well for Nebraska anyway this year while he was healthy. So uh, I think whatever they're going to get out of of Vidral at the quarterback position is going to be just as much as what they were getting from Martinez earlier this season. Also, talking about Spielman, the stud-wide receiver who could uh, miss the game as well with a knee injury, I want to give you a name to to just – just be aware of for Nebraska. They got a true freshman wide receiver. He's basically looks the exact same as far as stature wise. His name is Wandale Robinson. Exact same as, as Spielman uh, size wise, I should say. He's very explosive. With Spielman injured last week when he got when he went down, Wandale Robinson picked it up. He had seven catches for 123 yards. I expect big things out of Wandale Robinson if Spielman is not able to go. I think he can give them the explosive out of the offense that they're going to be missing. Turning to uh, Minnesota, Tanner Morgan, great quarterback so far. He's completing 70% of his throws, got a 13-3 to ratio, but I, I just can't look past the defense that he's uh, been going against. You know, our pass efficiency D-rankings in our Power Plays newsletter, if you, if you look at them, um, you know, they're more than just what the NCAA rankings look at. You know, you take your quarterback and you see how he's doing and you look at your defense and, and you say, okay, the defense has given up. 330 passing yards per game and allowing 67% completions. They must be terrible, whereas a defense is giving up 125 yards per game passing and allowing only 55% completions. That's a much better uh, defense. Well, that's just straight line looking at it, but when you look at our pass efficiency D rankings, we actually take into account the type of 
uh, passing team that the defense is playing. So if you've got a team that's played some option-based teams, of course they're going to have better pass defense uh, numbers. But in our pass efficiency D rankings, they're going to get penalized for that, and they're actually going to be go, go down a few notches depending on how they did on that. So when you look at our pass efficiency D rankings and you see the type of opposition that Tanner Morgan has gone up against, I mean, you look at Illinois. They're 87 in our pass efficiency D. Purdue, 109 in our pass efficiency D rankings. Georgia Southern, 105 in our pass efficiency D rankings. So Tanner Morgan, while he's done very well, he's capitalized on weak opposing pass efficiency D uh, defenses. Nebraska checks in at number 45, which is a solid number in our pass efficiency D, uh, defense. I don't think he's going to have the type of success that he's been having this season. And I'll call not only for Nebraska to to cover that th- that seven and a half point line, but I'll call for Nebraska. Why not to pull off the outright upset? Well, you definitely want to keep an eye on the weather. Like Antonio said, there could be some snow in this game, so that's uh, something I'm going to definitely want to check on. Uh, Minnesota proved they can win big last week. Uh, we, we weren't sure about that. They they outgained Illinois by 239 yards, one by 23. Nebraska only beat Illinois by four, but wait, take a look closer look at that game. They outgained Illinois by 391 yards. They were minus three turnovers. Nebraska's got to clean the turnovers up. Um, hard to fault Nebraska for their closer-than-expected game last week against Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald's an excellent underdog coach, uh, and they've got an excellent defense. You know, So that score, I, I know that a lot of people, you know, they didn't cover, they didn't blow them out. They're going to look down upon Nebraska for that. They got the job done. They won the game. So that's really all that matters at the end of the day for Nebraska. They faced a tougher schedule. They faced the number 24 schedule. Minnesota's only faced number 72. Um, Power Plays, which is our other newsletter, and that spits out a computer projection, only calls for uh, Minnesota to hold a 78-yard edge in this game, which usually translates to about a four- or five-point win. That stays within the line. I like that, and if you uh, definitely check out Power Plays newsletter, it's got a lot of good information. You get fifty dollars for Power Plays and a, a half off. It's not originally ninety nine down to fifty, and our four and four and a half stars are on a ten and two run the last two weeks. So you definitely want to check out our Power Plays if you're a Power Sweep subscriber. Like I said, you get half off the ninety nine dollars, so you'd be fifty dollars for your Power Plays. Um, but going back to the game, I agree with you. I like Nebraska to keep this closer than expected. Uh, Weather could be a factor and, and, you know, could could be maybe a little bit more defensive than you're used to seeing with uh, Minnesota lately. But uh, I I think Nebraska keeps us closer. Totally agree. And and those four and four and a half stars, those are our our highest rated plays in that Power Plays newsletter. The four and a half stars are our highest rated play, followed by the four stars. So, yeah, good uh, good insight there, Uh, Chris. Wanted to let you guys know about those four and four and a half stars that are on that 10 and two run the last two weeks. Okay, so we like Nebraska there. Okay, let's head on down to uh, what is possibly the game of the week. I mean, you've got one and one A here when you're talking about uh, the two best games. It's the best game uh, that ESPN thought that it would be because ESPN game day is there. And, of course, we're talking about Florida at LSU, both undefeated. Florida 6-0, and LSU is 5-0. and Florida's just 3-3 three and three against the spread, though. LSU is just dominated almost everybody this year. They're 4-1 and one against the spread. Line opened up LSU uh, minus 13. Little bit of money on on the Tigers, up to 13 and a half now if you're back in LSU uh, in this one. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that. 
offense versus defense, can you say, Chris, in this game? LSU averaging 55 points per game. I would Who would have ever thought LSU would be averaging 55 points per game five games in? Holy cow, especially with Ed Orgeron, who's a defensive coach. Man, oh, man, he's got this team buzzing. Florida, though, speaking of offense versus defense, Florida's allowing only 10 points per game. So something's got to give in this game. Uh, I think looking at last week's results, especially with Florida, how they were able to uh, to make Auburn quarterback Bo Nix look like the freshman that he is, I think the flip side on that is LSU's Joe Burrow. I mean, he's no freshman. He's easily the best quarterback that they've seen so far this year, and I think it's going to be a, a, a big, big flip, 180-degree flip as far as the, 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 the level of maturity and uh, you know just the moxie that – that uh, Joe Burrow will bring into this game. Um, I mentioned Florida's defense earlier, but let's look at LSU. This LSU defense, no slouch. I mean, they may be even better statistically. They're holding their opponents, Chris, to 127 yards per game below their average. That actually exceeds Florida's. They're giving up more points per game, but they're holding their opponents to less yards per game based on their average. Um, LSU, they got plenty of rest last week in their blowout win over Utah State. I know we thought Utah State would keep it a little bit closer than what it was, but still, nonetheless, the players got plenty of rest. Gators, complete reversal. They they entered off a physical win over Auburn, um, and now you know they have to travel for a night game in Death Valley. We we were a little bit hesitant with LSU last week, being 11 o'clock a.m. local time start there. Now Death Valley at night makes me like LSU even more. Go Tigers, minus three and a, 13 and a half. I'll take them. Well, Antonio, first off, I, I want to say that I'm, I was a little disappointed in game day this week because I was really pushing for the uh, the wagon wheel rivalry, Kent and Akron. I thought that should be where game day went. I thought that was the marquee matchup this week. I guess uh, ESPN felt differently, so okay. Uh, <laughs> the Tigers did look like old LSU last week. Um, it Absolutely shut down Utah State, used time of possession, ran the ball 51 times, got Joe Burrow a little rested. They kind of took what Utah State was giving him, which was basically, please don't go over top us and beat us with the big plays. And, uh, and, and on the flip side, they held Utah State, which was a pretty explosive offense coming into that game, held them 374 yards below their season average. Just 159 yards allowed in that game. So LSU is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Tigers offense has put up the most yards all five of their opponents have allowed, 155 yards above their opponents' uh, allowed average. And Kyle Trask is making his first road start here, traveling in the Death Valley at night, like you mentioned. That's a tough spot. A um, couple things I do like about Florida, their defense is holding opponents to 278 yards per game. Their defensive line is getting after it. John Greenard's an absolute monster on the defensive line. The transfer from Louisville, um, sure Scott Satterfield, which is he had him right now, um, holding opponents to 94 yards per game below their average. But the, the one thing I really like about LSU in this game, and you mentioned that Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback that uh, Florida's faced that is an understatement. So far, Florida's faced two true freshman quarterbacks, a backup quarterback in Kentucky that uh, transferred from a, a group of five school in Troy, uh, two FCS foes that, that they played this year already, and Jarrett Garantano, who has just been a train wreck for Tennessee and lost his job. So that's all they faced this year at the quarterback position. 
Now they get Joe Burrow, one of the most explosive offenses in in the country. And to say that this is the best quarterback they've faced isn't even doing it justice. This is by far the best quarterback they've faced. Kyle Trask uh, has trouble holding on to the ball. If I'm Florida, I'm really worried about this. Fumbled a couple times last week, uh, threw a couple interceptions against Tennessee, turned it over three times against the Vols. That's uh, six turnovers in his two SEC starts. That against this LSU defense would be a recipe for disaster. He hasn't even had to really deal with a noise factor, and he's turning the ball over. You know, if uh, Derek Brown doesn't trip over the turf monster last week, it might have been a different game after Cal Trask got licked and fumbled and Brown ran it like 50 yards before he just fell over. Um, so I, I, I do think that LSU's game plan on defense has to be to force some turnovers. Um, the one guy I think that can do that and a guy to look out for, true freshman Derek Stingley from LSU. When this kid came in as a uh, early enrollee last winter, they said that he was the best defensive back or the best cornerback they had on the roster when he showed up. He's already proving it, starting right off the bat as a true freshman. Eight pass breakups, two interceptions. I'm calling it. This kid will intercept Kyle Trask this week at least once. So just remember that name, Derek Stingley. He's going to be an early draft pick in a few years. And I think that LSU's defense will make some plays. They'll be a little bit limited from what we've seen, uh, from what we're used to seeing with the LSU offense. But the defense will make some plays, and the LSU offense will move the ball enough. I think the 17 uh, to 20 is where I got this game for LSU. I think they'll cover that line. You know, the I think also to, to one more thing about it is the way that Florida made Bo Nix look last week in the swamp is the way that LSU's defense in, in Death Valley is going to make Kyle Trask look yes, be, I, being I, a freshman. I completely agree with that. It's a tough place for a guy like Kyle Trask. Remember, Kyle Trask – Hadn't even started a game since his freshman year of JV. He never started a game in high school. He was the Eric King's backup. So he's never actually played a road game. He, he came in in the second half of that game against Kentucky after Felipe Franks got hurt. But he's never played a road game in his life as a starting quarterback. It's a tough place to have your first one in Death Valley at night. Yeah. Welcome to Death Valley. All right, let's go along now to the Red River rivalry. Wow. Oklahoma versus Texas in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Oklahoma 5-0 and straight up, 3-2 and against the spread. Texas 4-1 and straight up, 3-2 and against the spread. You know, Chris, this line opened up. Oklahoma was laying 9.5. How about this? Up to double digits. Oklahoma minus 11 now. You know, I understand why. I mean, the public's looking at this game. The public looks at statistics. On paper, I mean, it looks like a mismatch. I mean, Oklahoma's number three in the FBS on offense, averaging 193 yards per game more than their opponents allow. Sooners also holding opponents uh, to 78 yards per game less than their average. So they're playing better on both sides of the ball. Statistically, you look, Oklahoma has the advantage. Jalen Hurts. Quarterback for Oklahoma, the Alabama transfer, of course. He's the Heisman front runner right now. He's com- right there with Joe Burrow. He's completing 75% of his throws, has a 14 to 2 ratio. He's added nearly 500 more rushing yards with an additional seven touchdowns. So, I mean, when you look at the, the stats on paper, you look at Oklahoma versus Texas, I mean, it, it favors Oklahoma. You look at the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger is a heck of a quarterback for Texas, but still, just looking at it on paper, advantage Oklahoma. However, big however here, Texas, you know, they're the more battle-tested team. They faced LSU uh, 
uh, in West Virginia, you know, in Morgantown already. Uh, Oklahoma, they've played the likes of Houston, UCLA, and Kansas. So, I mean, when you look at the strength of schedule here, I like the fact that, that Texas has already played some tougher games, whereas Oklahoma has, has kind of feasted on weak opposition. And thus, that could be why their statistics are so skewed in their in their advantage. Um, and then looking at this this matchup, I mean, you got to look at series history here. This is a huge rivalry game. you got to look at the series history. you got to kind of take the records and the numbers and toss them out. You look at the last five regular season meetings, all these games, the last five years in the regular season, have all been decided by seven points or less. Texas has covered six straight games uh, in this series in, in the Red River rivalry in the regular season. So looking at that uh, series history has me like in Texas. Of course, do I, I don't even have to go into uh, Texas head coach uh, Herman's record as an underdog. Everybody knows he is a phenomenal underdog. Uh, I believe 11 outright upsets uh, in, in, in his time at Texas and at Houston. So, um, you know, those those things with the rivalry has me leaning with Texas. I'll gladly take double digits with Texas in this game. Give me them points. I don't think Texas is going to pull off the outright upset uh, like I think Nebraska does. But I do think Texas uh, keeps this game well within the line. And I could see another uh, game that is uh, seven points or less. Well, I definitely think that uh, my handicapping came down to on this game. Uh, Tom Herman, underdog, check. Good. Uh, that's really all I needed to see, especially when you're getting double digits. But uh, I, I am really looking forward to this game. Fantastic quarterback battle, like you mentioned. Hurts is completing 75%. Ellinger's only completing 68, 69%. Um, you mentioned that Texas is the more battle-tested team. They faced a tougher schedule. They also faced Oklahoma State a few weeks ago, which was that, that was a tough game for them. Um, the, the, Texas has faced the number 20 schedule. And uh, Oklahoma's faced the number 63 schedule in our schedule rankings. Um, Oklahoma's kind of feasted on some lesser competition. You know, out of conference, they played uh, uh, UCLA, which, you know, that down UCLA team right now. Hasn't, haven't really, probably the best team they've faced so far would be Texas Tech, uh, who pulled that big upset last week against Oklahoma State. Uh, the one thing that I really was impressed with when I was looking at Texas was going back to that Oklahoma State game. You know, they're holding opponents to 117 rushing yards per game, 3.0 yards per carry, 3.5 yards per carry. They held Chuba Hubbard to 3.7 yards per carry in that game. So the one thing I think if you're going to keep this game close, if you're Texas, is you've got to put Oklahoma in some third and long situations. You can't let them run all over you on first down because if you get down to second and two, second and one, third and one, then Oklahoma's going to pick you apart because – you're picking your poison at that point because Hurts can run, Hurts can pass anything. You know, he can do all he wants. But if you get him into a third and seven, third and eight, maybe even some third and 11, 12s, now you know Hurts is passing. You, maybe you can tee off on him with your pass rush or, you know, let your DBs do their work. So I think that their run D is going to be one of the things that keeps them in this game. Um, I don't think that Oklahoma State's really – or Oklahoma's really faced a, a good defensive football team yet. And I just think that, again, Tom Herman, underdog, that's all I need to hear. 
All right, there we go. Yeah, so take the points. Texas plus the points in this one, in, that, in this year's Red River rivalry, like every year, I mean, for the last five, six years. Okay, let's go along now to the West Coast, Utah at Oregon State. Uh, you know, Utah was that sexy pick as a potential playoff team before they suffered their first and only loss of the season. They're entering the, this game 4-1 and one straight up. Uh, two and three against the spread. Oregon State two and three straight up. Three one and one against the spread. Line opened up. Utah minus fourteen. It's now at minus fourteen and a half. You know, Chris. Neither of these starting quarterbacks on these teams has thrown an interception this season. Utah's Tyler Huntley is completing seventy five percent. He's got a seven zero ratio. Uh, while the Beavers' quarterback Jake Luton is completing sixty two percent. He's got a fourteen zero touchdown to interception ratio. Did not expect that. However, looking at the uh, pass efficiency defensive rankings, let's see which which of these quarterbacks are going to have a tougher time here. Utah, they rank number 15 on our pass efficiency defensive rankings. They've already got seven interceptions. Oregon State has our number 104 pass efficiency defense. They've allowed 13 touchdowns already this year. So big advantage for Utah on the defensive end, big advantage for Utah. for Tyler Huntley in the quarterback battle versus Jake Luton. I think the bye week helps Utah. They had some players banged up, specifically running back Zach Moss. Uh, he missed their last game. He's a second-team All-Pac-12 running back last year. He's been practicing. He's expected back this week. That helps Utah immensely in this. And then I look at Oregon State. You know, this is a team that's been down the last few years. They got a very emotional win last week. They were on the road in the Rose Bowl, beat UCLA. I think they're gonna I think the players are gonna be patting themselves on the back a little bit. Have reading those press clippings, I think it's gonna allow them to take this week a little bit more easy and which is going to make uh it make it uh, tougher for them, obviously, with Utah coming off off the bye, uh, being refreshed, and now having having to get right back into the season. I like Utah minus fourteen and a half here. I think Utah's gonna win it by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, Utah has won last three in this series. Um, the, the Utes are outstanding on defense. They've held four out of their last five opponents to their season-low yards. Opponents are only rushing for 54 rushing yards a game, 2.5 yards per carry. No uh, no opponent has actually hit 100 rushing yards yet. I think the highest is 92 yards that a team's run against them. Um, I do like Jonathan Smith. He, he's uh, doing a good job with Oregon State. He's got him on the improve. I, I watched their opener against Oklahoma State, and they, they kind of got out outgunned there. But I was actually impressed with him. I thought that Luton or Luton played well. I, I thought he was a pretty impressive quarterback. I remember sitting there thinking, oh, this kid's got something. So I think they're improving, but this is just not a good matchup for them. Um, they've actually yet to win a Pac-12 home game under Jonathan Smith. They're one five and one against the spread in uh, Pac-12 home games. The only the only spread cover is against uh, an FCS school. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, they're o six and one against the spread versus Power Fives when when hosting. Um, with the they did cover against an FCS school at home, but against everybody else at home, they're they're struggling right now. Um, Huntley completing seventy six percent seven to zero ratio. He's facing Oregon State's one hundred and four ranked pass efficiency D. So that's a that's a tough matchup for Oregon State, and Jake Luton is going to have a tough job if uh, they, they can't get any running game going against Utah's stout defensive line. It's going to put them into a lot of third and longs, and that's where you get sacks, interceptions, fumbles when you're forced to throw the ball on, on long situations. 
Um, Utah held Washington 313, Washington State to 313 yards. So I'm not sure how uh, Oregon State could possibly do any better than Washington State did offensively. I, I figure they'll get held under 300 yards, struggle to run the ball, probably turn the ball over a couple times. I've got Utah winning this game by three touchdowns. All right, now let's uh, take a look at one of these special uh, star-rated selections right out of the Power Sweep newsletter. Again, want to remind everybody we have our five-star, uh, just our second five-star in 11 weeks of football so far going this Saturday. You can get that five-star. You can actually pick that five-star up for as low as $39 if you're a 2020 Power Sweep subscriber. You can get just that single play for $39 if you're a 2020 Power Sweep subscriber. Uh, you can call us 1-800-654-3448 uh, or go online, ncsports.com, and get that play there. All right, before uh, now let's go along to our uh, special two-star out of the newsletter. Been pretty successful in these two-star plays so far this year, Chris. Uh, we decided to go with Northern Illinois at Ohio, a little maction uh, for you to end the show. Northern Illinois disappointing one and four straight up uh, this season, three and two against the spread. Uh, Ohio, though, has been disappointing as well. They're just two and three straight up, one and four against the spread. The line hasn't moved. It opened Ohio minus six and a half, and that's where it currently is still at is Ohio minus six and a half. Um, looking at this game, though, why we took New, uh, Northern Illinois plus the points in the newsletter, there's many reasons, among them being uh, the fact that while NIU has struggled to run the ball, they're averaging only 3.2 yards per carry. I think they're going to get the run game going this week, uh, turned around against that Bobcat defense, Chris. Bobcat's allowing over 200 rushing yards per game and 5.2 yards per carry. Northern Illinois running back Trey Horbison, he was originally a, uh, at the University of Virginia, transfer there from the Hoos. He was a second-team Mac running back last year. He's, he's off his first 100-yard effort last week versus Ball State, so I think he's going to build on that momentum and have another 100-yard effort against the Bobcat defense that, again, allowing over 200 yards and over 5-point yards per carry uh, per game there. Northern Illinois, they should be angry after letting their 17-3 to halftime lead disappear in last week's loss. I mean, they were in total control of that game, let it go. Now they're going to be angry off that loss. You know, the other thing, Chris, Northern Illinois and Ohio, Northern Illinois has not been a dog in this series since 1998. 98, it was the last time that Northern Illinois was an underdog versus Ohio. That should give them plenty of motivation as well in this game. Northern Illinois, they've played the tougher schedule. Uh, they've been outgained. They've only been outgained by their Power 5 foes, Utah and Nebraska, both on the road. Ohio, they're minus 79 yards per game overall, and they've played our 90th toughest schedule. So they played a weak schedule, and they've been getting outgained by every single FBS foe that they've played this year. Advantage, NIU. Well, I, I looked at Ohio, and the one thing that struck me is, uh, you know, Ohio known known for running the ball. Quarterback Nate Rourke, really good run, uh, running quarterback. Last year, the Bobcats ran for 258 yards per game, six yards a carry. This year, just 165, 4.8 yards a carry. NIU coming into the year was a much more experienced team. Ohio only had four off offensive starters coming back uh, and only two on the offensive line. Obviously, the inexperience is hurting them on offense because this just doesn't look like the same offense that we saw last year with the Bobcats. Um, defense also having some trouble, allowed 447 yards per yards per game. You mentioned they're letting up over 200 rushing yards a game, 39 yards per game above their opponent's average. Um, NIU's a desperate team, back-to-back -back losses. They outgained Ball State 
388 to 269, but lost that game last week. NIU was a much more experienced team entering this year, getting nearly a touchdown. And on top of it, Northern Illinois, 5 and 1 as an away dog in MAC play. I'll take the Huskies. I like their new head coach, uh, former Huskies running back, Thomas Hammock. I think that I actually think the Northern Illinois is going to pull the upset in this one. I, I like them by a point. I, I think that uh, the desperate underdog gets the win here. All right, so there you have it, everybody. That's uh, what we have for you in store for this week's uh, show. Before we go, sign off here, do want to remind you, uh, we'll give a little discount for you as well. You can take $10 off any of those packages uh, that we mentioned earlier in the show. Full executive weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday weekend, top play trio that we talked about. Uh, just mention, what's the code word, Chris? Code is triple M, M-M-M, make more money. And uh, you'll get $10 off any of those uh, late phone packages there uh, for, for your uh, – for your for your betting pleasure, you could say. And you know what? Uh, one more thing. You know, we really we really enjoy going over. You know, these few games that we talk about each and every week. I mean, we go between five and six games a week, and uh, you know, we think we're doing pretty well. Uh, letting you know what's going on, and what our what our take is on each of these games. We give a lean to you on every game. Uh, Florida State game was a little bit, you know. I like Florida State. Chris likes Clemson this week. Not a game that we're telling you to go on. But, Chris, overall, I mean, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, 16-12 and 12 overall. Now, in the games where we've disagreed, which doesn't happen often, but it's been a, a one or two this year, I always go with the power sweep lean. So, uh, in the power sweep, sweep leans that we've given out on all the games and that we've mentioned in the podcast for 16-12 and 12 this year, our two stars are 3-2, and two, hopefully picking up another win this week. Um, so it's, it's been pretty good and we have a lot of fun with this. So hopefully you listen, hopefully you subscribe to power sweep and, uh, we'll be happy if you, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, what's the Twitter handle, Antonio, you can get out, get at us, uh, at NC sports, I believe. Yes. At NC sports on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions or if there's a game you want us to go over next week, uh, we'd be happy to go over with you. Oh, at, at NC Sports One. There's a one at the end. Sorry about that. At NC Sports One on Twitter. Yeah, because we're you know we're number one. All right, everybody. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the Power Suite Podcast, presented by North Coast Sports. Again, appreciate everybody for listening in and enjoying the show. Hopefully, you pick up some big winners this weekend uh, and enjoy the college football weekend this weekend because it's it's there's some just some great great games. All right, for Chris Van Dyne, I'm Antonio Castro. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys again next week.